Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletop from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Baltimore is Eric Hunt. Eric is Director of the Center for Accountable Investment at the Center for International Private Enterprise, better known as SIPE. And we're going to be talking today about some of the complexities of doing business in Ukraine. Obviously, there's a war going on now, but as organizations contemplate investing in the future, uh, there's a lot that needs to be considered. First, Eric, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Adam, it's uh, really a pleasure to be here, and I'm a big fan of of what the Society for Corporate Compliance and Ethics has done, uh, both, uh, you know, here in the United States, but also its influence on, on markets worldwide. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm always fascinated to learn all, all the great work SIPE's doing. So let's talk about the Ukraine. You know, when the day comes that the cannons and bullets stop, there's likely to be a lot of reinvestment in the country. Uh, new companies may arrive to help in the rebuilding. Companies with long-standing investment there will want to rebuild. Are there particular risks that business should be aware of from a compliance perspective as they re-enter the country? Yeah. So, you know, the first thing I, I'd like to you know, make a point that even though there's the, there's this dramatic land war going on, the largest Europe has seen since the since the Balkans conflict in the 90s, um, you know, government of Ukraine has not stopped working. Even when, you know, Russians were close to getting to Kiev, uh, the, the Rada, as the as the local parliament uh, is known, uh, was still gathering. There's still uh, passing reform bills, still holding committee meetings. Uh, and they are very much uh, focused on uh, those EU reforms now that they're an EU candidate country. Uh, and so they're setting up committees. There are you know, talks about you know, certain specific pieces of regulation or regulatory acts that need to be passed within the legislature. There's debates going on. So although there is uh, a very large conflict, a very active conflict going on, government hasn't stopped. And that's been really impressive. I think perhaps some of that is due to the, the reforms that were implemented after the Revolution of Dignity in 2014. Uh, one of the key ones being the decentralization process, which gave more power to mayors and what they call oblasts or, or regional governments, uh, which has made Ukraine much more similar to how the United States is governed in terms of its its separation of, of powers and budgetary. Not exactly the same, but but it is, you know, there is uh, more agency and more control at the local level, which has allowed for local civil society organizations, local businesses to take a peek into what's being spent where uh, and to have influence over local decisions to make sure that more money is going into more productive uses rather than people's pockets. Um, so, you know, when doing business in Ukraine or thinking about doing business, just like anywhere, I think that the best defense is, is a good offense <laughs> where, you know, you want to protect your business, uh, build partnerships, uh, know the players on the ground, know the players uh, in, in civil society. Uh, the, a lot has been said over the years, uh, since 2014 about the robustness of Ukraine's civil society, and it is robust. And it's really focused on making the most of the reform process and making sure that things work for more Ukrainians. And if you're a business person that wants to do business honestly, 
transparently and straightforward in Ukraine, that civil society is going to be a great ally to you. In addition, there's a, a bunch of business associations that Sipe works with that are very uh, progressive in, in the, the, the 1920s, 1910s sense of the, of the word progressive, where they're also active in, in fighting corruption. Uh, they're active in creating uh, an economy that's more inclusive and focused more on innovation and less on extracting rents, which is where those those old oligarchs come into to play. Fascinating. Well, it's it's good to see that there's all those changes there and the increased transparency. You know, Ukraine has had a reputation for corruption. President Zelensky ran as someone who would fight it after playing on TV, someone who was fighting it. How much progress has been made? Uh, you mentioned some of the efforts already made to open windows into what's going on in terms of business uh, and the government. Is there a lot being done still? Yeah, there is. There's, a, there's an incredible amount of work that's still being done. Uh, look, all civil society in Ukraine right now is, is focused on the war effort. But the day that uh, the, the guns are laid down and, and peace is found, um, those same organizations will turn back and be very critical, constructively so, uh, to various government apparatus. It's not as if uh, uh, you know, everyone is in awe of Zelensky. Uh, if anything, I think Ukrainians are a bit more pragmatic than the rest of the world, and, and the rest of the world has acknowledged, you know, what a great leader he is and, and his communication style and, and how he's rallied support for Ukraine. But within Ukraine, they acknowledge that. They acknowledge Sess, they acknowledge that he is the commander in chief and that, that he, you know, uh, is the leader of the country. But as soon as this external threat is gone, uh, Ukrainians are not ones to kind of worship an idol uh, or idolize a leader. They're going to be critical again. Um, and so before the war broke out, you know, Zelensky's administration was um, mixed in its fight. Uh, but it was it was progress, but forward progress, uh, where we had, you know, two steps forward, one step, maybe one and a half steps back in other areas. They were kind of working on or still working on a separate anti-corruption court, which would route uh, other uh, route corruption issues uh, away from the, the traditional court system. Um, the um, in terms of business dispute resolution, there were a number of um, uh, uh, entities that were set up to go into negotiation or arbitration prior to getting to the legal system, because quite frankly, if you're running a business, the last thing you want to do is get into the court system, unless you know you have a judge that's on a take. Uh, but most businesses want to kind of stay out of this and, and want to kind of stay far away. And I think this is a universal principle uh, where they want to just stay out of legal. They want to run their business, they want to sell their product, they want to sell their service, uh, and they don't want to get involved in the court system because no one really wins there. Um, but you know the fight that um, the fight that Zelensky is, is, is in is one that's really generational, right? The, the country's moving in the right direction. And if you look at the past eight years, 10 years in particular, um, there has been steady progress, but uh, changing uh, uh, corruption that's endemic has seeped its way in throughout the, the, just the way or the culture of doing business, it's gonna be a generational project. Right. And so right now we're about eight years or 10 years into that generational project. 
Uh, and I, I think that the, the war is going to be, you know, looking back 10 years down the road from now is going to be a key point uh, of transition into to what Ukraine will become. Now, speaking of what it will be cr- become, you know, the, the big $100 million question for a lot of business is the corruption risk. And it sounds like things are moving in the right direction. So should they anticipate it to stay lower than it was before the war? Or is there fears that things, once the war ends, may grow higher as people try and make up for lost time, for example? Well, I, I think that, you know, corruption, the thing that I think we need to acknowledge is that corruption happens everywhere at every point in time uh, throughout history. Now, the level of corruption uh, and how we address it is different, obviously. Uh, As I said, the war, I think, will be a pivotal moment in the history of Ukraine. And I think it's gonna have a profound impact on you know, not only uh, political culture, because we'll have returned veterans that have fought in this war uh, that will get into politics, become mayors, become parliamentarians, uh, become leaders uh, in, in business and in civil society that have lost their comrades in battle. And when you face that, you know, that you fought for this, this independent nation, and now you have somebody kind of seeking bribes, I think that there's, there's going to be a, a very different orientation uh, or uh, uh, toleration of corruption because corruption now is signified with weakness, right? It's If you are corrupt in Ukraine, it's, it's commonly understood that if you're corrupt, you're weakening the state, you're weakening Ukraine's competitiveness. And I think there's going to be a big shift in business culture uh, around that issue that, you know, being in uh, in this space uh, in Ukraine, that you know, if you participate in corruption, you just can't. You know, you you, you are weakening the state, and you're you're essentially a traitor to 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 the, the idea of of Ukrainian nationality and and independence. Um, so I think that you know we'll have to see those political culture shifts about the acceptance or the toleration of corruption, but also is something that has happened over the past eight years. Uh, 10 years is this creation of essentially two business sectors in Ukraine. One that is oligarchic and had all of these privatizations back in the 90s. And, you know, these this small uh, group of people that have really built moats for themselves around specific industries in the country um, and do some horse trades and other industries that are related uh, uh, just to kind of diversify those 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 revenue streams. Um, but then we have another group of businesses a group of businesses that that uh, Scythe has worked with under various uh, locally driven business associations and professional associations that is very innovative. The, the, the IT sector is incredibly innovative in Ukraine. Uh, they attracted a ton of VC capital uh, just prior uh, to the invasion uh, of, of Ukraine. And I think that that is going to be a trend line that will be picked up after the war. Um, in Ukraine, I say, you know, we've got brains and grains. Uh, and I think that uh, uh, that that the brains part of it, specifically the IT sector, is going contri- to going to continue to attract a lot of attention from finance. Uh, and that uh, the agricultural sector has a ton of room to improve productivity, efficiency, and uh, move up the value chain in terms of value add for agricultural products. So there's 
you know, there, there is there's risks there. They're still going to be there. But in terms of the political and business culture, I think that we're going to see some dramatic shifts after this conflict is over. Oh, I imagine it's going to be a very interesting and different time. Now, let's switch gears. The wars brought with it a host of sanctions, not targeted at Ukraine, but at Russian sectors, uh, businesses, individuals. Does business need to be mindful of those risks when they return to Ukraine? You know, I imagine perhaps wrongly that there may be Russian investment there as well, which could be impacted. Yeah, so the, after 2014 and the, the, the first Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, a lot of Russian business went away or went very, very deep underground. We did a report at SIPE with the Center for Economic Strategy from 2019, which tracked that, uh, but it's really largely dropped off. Uh, you know, if you're running a compliance firm doing business really anywhere in the world these days, I think that you're, you're with the level of sanctions that we're seeing, you're going to have a lot of business going forward. So I don't think it's necessarily a Ukraine issue. And like I said, the, the level of Russian investment into Ukraine you know, really dramatically decreased following the 2014-2015 the invasion. Interesting. Now, are, are there any other risks business need to be particularly concerned about? Well, so one thing that I'm looking at is, is uh, you know, solving the, the, the war risk uh, insurance or, or getting long-term private capital into the country into these, you know, larger physical projects, so grain elevators and stuff like that, where, you know, honestly, if you're you know, sitting in a boardroom, uh, are you going to put $50 million into a grain elevator uh, on the banks of the Dnieper when at any point in time, you know, a Russian missile could just come in and, and obliterate your, your investment? And so we, I think we really have to address that because I think that even when the guns fall silent, there's still going to be this continued risk of this, you know, Russia, which has essentially become a, a rogue actor here, striking civilian infrastructure. So, you know, I think that we're going to need that to address that, you know, we being uh, OECD nations, say, need going to need to address that that war risk or potential for, for terrorism, essentially, uh, in our investment decisions in order to attract that private capital back into the country. Well, there's certainly a complicated world and a lot to worry about. Um, but thanks for bringing clarity to what's going on in Ukraine and what business should be thinking about there. Uh, I also want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletop from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <laughs>